Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe Delium, joined by NFL Draft analyst Ryan Roberts at Rise and Draft on Twitter. We took some time to digest the tape at Mobile for the 2022 Senior Bowl. Game has already been played. The practices are in and the opinions of evaluators are as well. So we are going to be doing an offensive and defensive risers slash fallers episodes here today on Monday and then also one coming out tomorrow morning as well. So Ryan, let's kick right into talking about these quarterbacks. We this quarterback group was was unnecessarily over talked about because the group itself is is a bit underwhelming and we should have been focusing on our and our energy towards some of these better position groups but nonetheless it's a quarterback group and one of these guys might get drafted kind of highly and the rest are going to get sprinkled into the first round wherever they do mm-hmm. but if we were to assess a riser a guy that looked really good the buzz really really came from Malik Willis from Liberty who had a really iffy first day, pressing a little bit too much, and then recovered and bounced back for the final two and looked really, really good. And that seems like he was the only guy that constantly was getting talked up throughout the remainder of the week. Yeah, I feel like I had a pretty good take with with Willis and actually with Ritter as well, to be honest with you, because both were really bad on the first day and even Ritter imp- showed like steady improvements over the last couple of days. But Malik Willis obviously left the week as the guy where everyone was kind of touting as the riser, the guy that kind of, you know, just he ascended himself among, amongst the group. And I, I don't think that it was so much so that Malik Willis really did something astronomical here i feel like it was also a part of the fact that we're going to get to the second half of this is that the rest of the quarterbacks just weren't very good <laughs> let's call it what it was right like they were it was not a great group but give it to Blake willis after a really rough first day where we talked about i think joe marino again for the draft network said he had the five best throws in day one and they had the five worst throws in day one so it was just incredibly up and down but we saw improvements marked improvements over the next two days and he was one of the only couple quarterbacks that i thought really showed steady improvement throughout the week and the talent level kind of was just put on display you had some of the technology that was showing i think it was zebra technology is what it's called that kind of showed the the um the air speed and how the distance and the you know the air velocity and all that type of stuff so he really did show out his skills the last couple days and he showed the steady improvement that most quarterbacks in attendance did not have during the week yeah and we knew coming into the week that malik physically had the best traits out of any of the quarterbacks and he really didn't need to do a whole lot to prove that he was the physically most dominant quarterback there but the the flip side of things 
the resounding opinion, and I know that you picked one guy as your faller or guy that that kind of put doubt in the minds of evaluators. Yeah. Uh, the entire group seemingly struggled. And we, again, we knew coming into this that this is not a very good quarterback class. The only guy that wasn't there for us to evaluate was Matt Crowell from Old Miss. Mm-hmm. And him not being there kind of helped himself a little bit. But this group just had a very up and down week. They had their struggles. They had various issues. And Malik steps ahead of the group because of that. But you picked one guy in particular, and that ended up being Kenny Pickett from Pitt. Yeah, and it's no disrespect to Kenny because I feel like for the most part, the whole group just kind of stayed exactly where they were. And I think that Kenny, for me, stayed exactly where he was. Like He's a guy that I think... On late day two, I would be worth I'd be worth putting a gamble on because I think he has a good baseline as a, as a backup quarterback to being a spot starter potentially at the next level. But unfortunately, perception is reality, and Kenny Pickett went into the week as the favorite to be quarterback one, like he did, and I feel like he had an unspectacular kind of uneven week. I don't think there was any like crazy bad throws. I don't think there was any huge misses, but I think that the thing was that you didn't see a guy that really pushed the envelope. He didn't take any you know unnecessary shots and he went into the week obviously with the you know we talked heavily about the he didn't want to get his hands measured and that type of conversation and then on it honestly on day two when that monsoon hit right all that rain he had trouble controlling the football like let's call it what it is there was some there was some hesitancy to just understanding because people are gonna oh who cares about hand size well controlling the football is huge. And I think that he showed that there are some concerns in that area. So I think that Kenny in a, in a vacuum actually kind of is, is steady with where I projected him, but with perception being reality that he is the, was the assumed quarterback one going into the week. I think that Malik probably supplanted him in that, in that sense. And I think that he left a lot of doubts in evaluators, to be honest with you after the week. So the, the hand thing is a really good point. I just want to touch on because the week starts off poorly for him because he refuses to address it and he refuses to just get the damn thing measured. We, we talked about on a Twitter space how it's not like Devontae Smith where he's underweight. Mm-hmm. He's going to get that weight up for the combine or, or the co- there was no combine last year, but for his pro day. And right. Kenny can't make his hand bigger. He's going to stretch it. And he talked about it, which was stupid. But instead of just getting the damn thing measured, putting it out there, owning up to it and moving past it, it was a talking point amongst the quarterbacks the whole first day. Yeah. And then when it rains, people are talking about like, oh, it's it's raining out. How are the small hands going to do in this? And then for some weird reason, he wears one glove, but instead of on his is uh, taking it off of his throwing hand, he takes it off of his his non-dominant hand, which yeah. to me it it draws attention to the situation yeah it's just it's weird he he drew attention to something that didn't need to be there on top of the fact that he just didn't flash he didn't stand out which you were hoping he would do and and also it's the simple fact of i know people you know he he wants to get the get the exercises to get an accurate measurement on a hand like that's kind of the whole story with the with the double joint and thumb or whatever and whether it is a legitimate story or not what is the big deal if he measures in? He, everybody knows about this issue, but then he goes to the combine and it does measure bigger. Like, is there any negative to that sense? Like, you could just say, like, at that point, like, yeah, I got it stretched. Like, I told you I was going to get it stretched because I have an, a, an, a deformity on my hands, right? Like, it's a little bit of an abnormality. Like, I, I don't understand what that whole thing was. And then again, like you said, having that still 
in the rain where everybody's taking those gloves off because at every position, because you have no grip in that rain, still having that glove on is a red flag, man. It is because he needs it, right? Like there's a need. Right. It's a crutch. It's a crutch. And whatever you want to call it, there is a, a need for it in that sense. So, I feel like it didn't start out great. I feel like day one, we talked about it. It was just like he was steady Eddie, you know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't awful, but it wasn't great either. And then I think the rest of the week was just very meh at that point. So he went into the week as the favorite to potentially be quarterback one. And I feel like he left without it. So that's why he is the, uh, the, the, it's so facto faller of the week, just because I think that the, the perception now is that he's probably is not quarterback one as today stands. So moving on to the running back group, there were some guys that had a couple flashes here and there, and we know that uh, it's highly talked about at the Senior Bowl every year that it's tough to properly evaluate the running backs because of the general thud that is going on during these run periods. It's usually not full contact, but Damian Pierce from Florida was uh, getting a lot of buzz for some of the things that he showed. Why did you pick Pierce as your riser? Well, he, he just checks every box, right? Like you see the physicality that he runs with on film and you see the frame and you're like, okay, that translates really well. But the things that really popped off is I thought he caught, I mean, I thought he caught the ball well at Florida to begin with just kind of a natural hands catcher, but I feel like he looked comfortable catching the football. And then the, I mean, he had some dominant pass blocking reps. <laughs> like I, I mean, th- what was it? The, the second practice right of the week yeah. to end the practice. He, he stonewalled a linebacker went, you know, at the end of practice, they kind of highlighted a one-on-one at the end of each. And he had a great rep and he's just consistently showed out in that, in that sense all week, you know? And I, I feel like he's a guy that there's a baseline to, and a lot of people were wondering why did Florida not, hi- not highlight him enough in their offense? And I still think people have that same question. Cause it's just like, he's a physical explosive runner, which like you said, doesn't get highlighted as much during this week because there's not a ton of tackle breaking and mm-hmm. contact balance showcasing because they're, you know, you're not bringing runners to the ground. But then the fact that he shows the baseline of being able to catch the ball solidly, being able to be a, a plus p- pass blocker. I feel like Damian Pierce took full advantage of his week and he was, I mean, I, I would say comfortably the best running back in attendance, in my opinion. There might not be as much to bet on right now because we don't have football going on all we have is the super bowl and i know you can't bet on the senior bowl but you can still make some of these other sports interesting like basketball like hockey i know that i have to do that to make it a little bit more exciting for me because it's just not the same as football with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website for bet online for you to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use promo code believe to get started and it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, I have to tell you folks about Masterworks. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a GOAT on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like a goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing investments in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And even greater art prices outpace the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 and 2021. 
In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR 2021 and 2020 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like a goat. Get priority access with this game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Lastly, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you can never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Yeah, so the the player awards, which was voted on the by the players, Brian Robinson from Alabama won, and then Abraham Smith won from Baylor. So th- yeah. that fits the, the conundrum of, okay, why did we let the players vote on this? Because the outcome for this specific position group, the rest of them all made sense. The rest yeah. of them, if you watch the practices, you're like, oh, I can see why he was in the conversation at the very least. But those two guys didn't make a whole lot of sense. And your faller ends up being Abraham Smith, who I was saying to you, when I saw that that was the case, I said to myself, I didn't even know that Abraham Smith was here. I didn't even know that he was at the Senior Bowl because he didn't stand out to me. So care to elaborate a little bit more on why you picked him as a, as a faller? Yeah, yeah. So I, I picked Abram Smith, like you said, out of Baylor. And, uh, you know, before our show started, Joe said, well, wasn't he practice player of the week? And I'm like, I don't even know, <laughs> but I really don't care, to be honest with you, because I mean, first and foremost, it's a great story, right? Like he's a former linebacker who switched over to running back and had a trend, a absolutely breakouts campaign during this final season. You know, he averaged, I think, close to seven yards of carry. And he was, he was a dominant player for Baylor who, you know, uh, obviously a Big 12 champion, Baylor Bears. So hats off to Abram Smith. It's a great story. I feel like, again, we talked about the the fact that as a pure runner is not going to be showcased as much because I think, do think he's a solid runner, you know, an early down potential runner at the next level. He's got a lot of contact balance. He's got physicality, one cut and go type of running back. I don't think he has necessarily a second gear, but I think the worst parts of what the all-star circuit does for running backs kind of highlighted the shortcomings. I think that Abram Smith has, and, and every time I'm watching him, run some routes and show his abilities in the past game. I just felt like everything was really tight, you know, like he didn't change direction very well. He didn't have any upside as a route runner. Like those things I think get highlighted a little more. So I left a week and I know Abram Smith had a touchdown catch during the game on a little flare route, but I, I don't know. Just during the week, I just felt like everything looked tight. It didn't look natural at all. So he's just a guy that for me, like Upside wise, I don't see much development as a third down type back in the passing game, all that type of niche. So he's really a true 
like early down runner that might have some uh, positivity in that spectrum, but in an all-star circuit, that's not necessarily what gets highlighted most. And I feel like it didn't get highlighted in his game either. Shifting our focus to the tight end class. This is a, a, a decently deep group that was at senior at the senior bowl. And there were a lot of guys with recognizable names that yep. were discussed throughout the week, but not really a, a super talented player in this group, not a, a, a first round highly draftable guy, but still some quality tight ends. And another similar situation, somebody who was getting a lot of buzz throughout the week based on how he looked was Trey McBride from uh, Colorado State. And the resounding thing here is that he's not a complete tight end, but he shows some positive traits where, you know, he's big, he's got good hands, he's a good blocker. And we, we talked a little bit about on the pod where he's like a Heath Miller, Brent Selleck type of a throwback type tight end and if a team wants that type of a tight end you can pretty much get that with him yeah i feel like most tight ends had solid weeks like there's not really i I know i had to pick one guy for a you know a guy that maybe didn't move the needle a ton but i feel like every tight end for the most part showed us exactly what they were in mobile but i i think that what trey mcbride did is for me he just asserted himself again that he is the top tight end in this class, regardless of senior label, underclassman label. Like he's the best tight end, I think, of the 2022 NFL draft, because I think that the baseline is fantastic. Like you mentioned the hands. I think he has the best hands probably in the class, just of any position, like any wide receiver included. The kid, I mean, the kid just doesn't drop anything. And he's got a big frame. He knows how to play the ball in the air. He blocks his tail off. I know he didn't measure in quite as big as maybe some people thought, you know, and there's some question of flexibility, but on film, the same questions are there, right? Like he's not a flexible type of separator. He's a physical dude at the top of the stem. That's how he creates a separation at the top of his route. So I I feel like he showed us everything he needed to show us. And he showed us, I think, again, why he is considered potentially the top tight end off the board. Because I think that he just checks so many boxes. And I don't think anybody else in the class, I think everybody did a pretty solid job from the tight end group. And I don't think anybody really pushed the envelope to challenge that, that, that assumption. So you alluded to the fact that there wasn't really a guy who struggled, but you had to pick yeah. somebody who didn't really stand out, didn't really do a whole lot. And you went with Nevada's Cole Turner. Why, why'd you do that? This this one hurts me, man. I like Cole, man. Good friend of the show, Cole Turner. Great young man, by the way. But he, uh, I just feel like he didn't, sh- like he didn't stand out at all, you know. And he's a guy that has crazy length. He's right over around six foot six. He was two hundred forty plus pounds. Felt like he looked a little skinny to begin with. I think there's going to be some questions about how he, his ability to play in line because I just don't think that he has the. I don't think that he has the lower body strength or you know the the just lower body power to maybe you know move the needle in that regard. But then I, I just also didn't think that he really showcased his abilities as a pass receiver much during the week. Like I just felt like it, nothing showed out about him. I still like him. I still think he'll definitely get drafted somewhere in, on day three. And I think that he has a big frame and he has upside on, you know, I think he has upside working in the red zone and doing all those types of things. But I, I just feel like leaving the week, like, honestly, you could have told me that Cole Turner wasn't in attendance. I would have been like, yeah, you're right. Because, like, just not, he, he, I just feel like there was no flash from him. I didn't see anything where it left him in my mind during the week. I left the week just very uninspired by what my final impression of Cole during the week. Shifting to our second to last position group for the offense, the receivers were really fun to watch. And I think that if you were to pick a winner for this week, there's two people you could have picked from Calvin Austin from Memphis, 
yep. Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And I think that I'm glad that you picked Christian Watson because if you had to pick one that was slightly higher than the other, I think Watson makes the most sense because of the fact that he, for the most part, separate from the people who were in the weeds enough to know who he was coming into the week, he was relatively unknown against the general public. And yep. after this week, everyone was talking about him. High weight speed guy, looked really, really good in one-on-ones, was super, super dominant. I was excited. I kept tweeting out about him <laughs> because of how juiced up I was seeing an FCS guy dominating in these one-on-ones. I mean, heck, it might be this might be a bit of an over-aggressive statement, but there's some people saying that he could sneak his way in in the end of the first round, but he, he's kind of cemented himself. Yeah, I know that you were going to give me that face. <laughs> but I think somewhere higher on day two is realistic after what we saw and then maybe what we see from him at the Combine, but you went with him as your riser. Yeah, and I, I feel like the differences between him and Calvin Austin, right, is Calvin Austin Austin showed us a niche, and he showed us a lot of great, obviously, speed and quickness out of the brakes. But then when you combine everything that Watson brings from a height, weight, speed perspective, right, like he st- he started the week off with uh, measuring in six foot six foot four, even two hundred eleven pounds, thirty two plus inch arms, like great frame, obviously, and everybody knows that he's an athletic, you know, freak. Like he's going to run in the four fours at that size at the combine or the pro day whenever he is that he does test and he's going to kind of hit that height weight speed label. But I think the thing that really takes you off guard is I felt like he mixed up the variety of releases. They release points that he had this week. I felt like he did a really nice job working against press. I felt like he really showed chops as a route runner that maybe North Dakota state didn't highlight a ton because they kind of just left him on a vertical plane all the time. And, and being that, you know, that, uh, that, that downfield stretch type of player, but I saw that you saw I think that you saw more upside to him that there's more than just a vertical deep threat. There's some fluidity in and out of his breaks. There's that catch point um, dynamo dynamic to him. And I don't think that he I mean, I didn't really remember a drop that he put on during the week. Like he was just consistent all the way through and creating separation. So I think that second round, third round is definitely in the conversation. Top 50 wouldn't shock me because I think that he really did have a, a dominant week. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, even though I know there's still big Trevor Penning fans. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of it, if he is fighting Trevor Penning to be the first FCS player up the board. I think it's possible. Yeah, and I think that he definitely had the better week comparatively to Trevor Penning. And Penning showed some nice stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll end up talking about him a lot during the cycle. But Christian Watson, man, absolute baller during this week. Flipping sure. to a guy who was a faller for you. You went with Braylon Sanders from mm-hmm. Old Miss. And I, I saw some people talking positively on him. And I didn't really understand that. Like, I watched a lot of one-on-one reps where... He didn't look that explosive. He didn't really like flash a whole lot physically. And uh, he was getting flat out beat in these one-on-ones. Like, yeah, he made a couple good plays, but I don't think that that was like a, a indicative enough that he's going to be this dominant receiver. He looked okay. He looked very average was the, yeah. the thing that stood out to me. Well, I felt bad including him because he was an NFL PA guy that got the late call up. So like, I didn't want to, you know, Obviously, he wasn't like the main <laughs> guy that was supposed to be there. And and quick shout out, if I can, to his teammate, Dontario Drummond, who not many people talked about. But I feel like he actually had a really solid week, like mm-hmm. not not anything flashy. But I thought I thought he was a better separator than maybe I gave him credit for in the Ole Miss film. But I just felt like Braylon Sanders. I mean, the one rep that everyone's going to highlight is the one against Kobe Bryant, where he just ran a really poor route. And Kobe just kind of stayed in his hip pocket. And it was just a throwaway. And I, I just like, again similar to a Cole Turner, 
I just feel like he didn't stand out at all. Like I just can't, I can't remember plays on the top of my head where I'm just like, Oh yeah, nice route there. Nice break. Not, you know, nice go ball win. Like I, I just don't remember a ton of wins for Braylon Sanders. So I just felt like he, he didn't do anything for me leaving the week where, you know, NFL PA guy going to the senior bowl. Great story. Like, let's go back to the film now because, you know, maybe I was missing something, but I, I, for me, I just, I feel like he did not leave a great, mental image of a player where I'm going to get really excited about. So last up is the offensive lineman and no mention of Trevor Penning because there was another guy who had a really, really freaking good week. Zion Johnson yep. from Boston college who coming into the senior bowl was in that day two range and mm -hmm. a guy who's going to kick inside and play in the interior. They had him playing some center. I think we both agree that he is probably not going to play center at the next level based on, how those reps looked when he was playing at center compared to when he was playing at guard. But right. when he was playing guard, Zion Johnson looked really good. And he was very, very highly talked about through the entirety of the week. And I think it's pretty safe to say now after what we got from him in this, in, in this week of practice, that he's going to be early day two at the very, very least. Yeah, no, and I think the willingness to work at center and stay afterwards and, and improve, obviously, at center during the week is a big tell of just his character and his work ethic. But this kid's a plug-and-play guard, and everybody knew that going into the week, that whether it was in the second round or late first round, like you can plug Zion Johnson into a starting role, and he's going to be a, a starter for some time. Like That's just kind of the outlook he did. And then during the week, best offensive lineman there, in my opinion. No, I, I, he he lost like one or two reps, but for the most part, he was locked down on every single one of his reps working inside. He's got a really powerful lower half, understands how to use his length, gets inside positioning, good mover. Like he just kind of checks a lot of boxes. So Zion Johnson, I think, entered the week, like you said, probably more of a late, um, an early day two type of player, like somewhere in like the 30. Mm -hmm three to you know 45 ish range but i think he has a very good opportunity now to potentially go in the first round because i think that he did nothing but help himself during the senior bowl yeah as a giants fan i'm very very excited about zion johnson and i'm praying that nobody tries to take him at the end of the first round because that would be a, a perfect solution to their mm -hmm. interior offensive line problems last player that we're going to discuss here on our up and down list for the offense bernard raymond Central Michigan. We we already mentioned some of his his struggles at at the Senior Bowl and coming into the week, we knew a guy that was moving from or had moved from tight end to offensive line. Physically, he looks very well put together. He's big, yeah. but then you watch him in the one on ones, and you saw a guy that lacked flexibility. You saw a guy that was was struggling a, a ton in those situations, going against some very talented edge rushers. It kind of mm -hmm. helped that we had these really good edge rushers because it exposed some of these players that we thought were good, but facing against the top talent did not do very well. And Ray, uh, Bernard Raymond was one of them. Yeah. And when you have a guy with like Bernard Raymond that hasn't played a ton of football and has an athletic profile, like you're going to still get excited about it because there's some developmental potential, but I mean, he got beat by a drum all week. You know, it, it was outside moves. It was inside counters. Like he was getting beaten every single way and it was just not a good week. I mean, I, I feel like almost every single rep he lost. And it was, you know, yeah. I, I feel like some people were talking about him in the first round conversation. People, after leaving the week, people are still talking about him in the first round conversation. I just can't understand it because he's in a tough spot for me because he's a developmental guy 
that is going to be 25 during this season. So he's an older prospect to begin with. And he's a guy that like projecting forward, you're hoping that by the age of 27, 28, he might figure it out. Like that's not a good spot to be in, in my opinion. So are we going to use a first round pick on a guy that's already 25 that still needs to develop? Like it's not, he's ready made and he's just like a plug and play dude, which would be a completely different conversation. I think he leaves you a little uneasy because I think that the, the capital is not going to quite be worth what the upside is for a guy like Bernard Raymond, even though he does have some tools to work with. Just a guy that I think is in a very funky and, and odd spot for where he might get drafted. Folks, that's going to be it from us on this offensive evaluation show for the 2022 Senior Bowl. Make sure you hit subscribe if you're listening on audio or if you're... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.